the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. BC, Minneapolis, St. Paul, FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis, Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Biden administration issuing new clear warnings to Russia on penalties it might face if it goes ahead with threats to invade Ukraine. U.S. officials have raised the possibility of incremental changes in decisions about our country's future strategic posture in Europe. But officials also say they would hit Russia with debilitating sanctions should it attack Ukraine. U.S. officials say the Biden administration would be open to talk with Russia on curtailing possible future deployments of offensive missiles in Ukraine and other moves. That is correspondent Andrew Stewart reporting in Washington. Interesting new report just out. It finds as President Biden wraps up his first year in office, he has held fewer news conferences than any of his five immediate predecessors at the same point in their presidencies. This is SRN News. Charlie Kirk says we are failing our children. Adults are morally tasked with looking after the well-being of the upcoming generation. This is basic social contract stuff. We already know that children that are born during the pandemic have lower IQs. We have created the stupidest, dumbest generation in American history because of the lockdown. The Charlie Kirk Show, weeknights at 11 on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. Your forecast for today, we're looking at a high of 4 and a low of negative 9 with a chance of snow for tonight. Tomorrow, a high of 3 and a low of negative 2. Our January Regnery Book of the Month is The Reactionary Mind, Why Conservative Isn't Enough. Sign up to win a copy at the Insider Fan Club at am1280thepatriot.com. Regnery Publishing is a division of Salem Media Group. This is AM1280 The Patriot, keeping the Twin Cities right. The following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer. Brad Carlson. Hey, I'm 12 the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with hour number two of the broadcast. We'd like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take a phone call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow along on Facebook, feel free to do so. Go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and give us a follow or a like if you have yet to do so. And by the way, if you do go to the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page, uh, you can see that I am uh, broadcasting via the live stream, waving to the camera right now. And as always, we uh, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I normally don't look in on the uh, on the Vikings game during the show because, well... <laughs> I get, I'd get way, way, way too distracted. But uh, uh, Vikings down fourteen to ten in the third quarter. Um, yeah, they're going out with a with a resounding thud. They're playing all their starters. Uh, don't don't want to give the young rookie quarterback Kellen Mond a look, so they're going with their starters. And um, the rumors are, I read a report that Mike Zimmer will indeed be fired as head coach after the game. So cue the speculation and who the next head coach would who's going to be is going to inherit. Um, uh, difficult situation, that's for sure. Is our guest on the phone as of yet? Okay. So we are wait, awaiting a guest uh, to uh, uh, join us here shortly. I've uh, been reaching out to an uh, uh, author that we're going to have on, but uh, have yet to reach him. So 
Um, why don't Why don't we do this? Um, why don't we do this, Jacob? Why don't we? Um, let's see. Oh, so they sent it. I, we're doing an on-air production meeting. So, um, tell you what. Why don't we just move on to another subject, and then we can uh, try with our guest the next segment. Why don't we just do that? So, if he does call, um, just tell him to call back the next segment. I do want to get to uh, some other news because there was a lot of news this past week. It wasn't just about uh, the uh, commemorating the January 6th uh, anniversary. Uh, oral arguments were offered before the Supreme Court regarding uh, President Joe Biden's vaccine mandate. And I was following along a little bit on uh, Twitter because I guess they, they started on Friday. And if you were to read the transcripts, from these oral arguments, you would think that Justices Sotomayor and Kagan were legislators as opposed to jurists because they were touting the merits of the legislation. Well, whether you think that the vaccine is a good thing and whether you believe that in via philosophy, well, you know, like Justice Kagan's statement was something along the lines of, well, I mean, the government pays for all these vaccines, so shouldn't they be able to dictate how they're used and in what manner they're mandated? Which, uh, you know, the government pays for an awful lot, including weapons of war. So, I mean, are we, are we all of a sudden going to say, well, the government can use the weapons of war however they, they desire? including on citizens who don't want their firearms taken away. Remember, you know, I alluded to Eric Swalwell in the first segment about how, you know, it would be a short war if gun owners tried to resist having their guns taken away because the government has nukes. I mean, that was just a very curious statement. But uh, Sonia Sotomayor, uh, again, this is from our uh, Narn alum and former colleague Ed Morrissey at Hot Air uh, talking about... uh, Sonia Sotomayor basically spreading COVID misinformation. I mean, that's that's another big sin as well, is um, uh, COVID misinformation. And as a result, she was just up there saying just crazy things that would get citizens banned from Twitter. And I'll read from uh, Ed Morrissey's piece at uh, hotair.com. A wise axiom warns us not to deduce Supreme Court decisions based on the questions asked by its justices during oral arguments. Perhaps, however, we can deduce their relative wisdom and grasp of reality from the questions they pose. In uh, Friday's debate over the legality of the Biden administration's vaccine mandates imposed by OSHA, a few of the justices appear to have little grasp of the current facts of the pandemic. Justice Sonia Sotomayor led the way on misinformation. Sotomayor was hardly alone in causing Jaws to drop, but she was the clear leader. The transcript isn't yet available, but observers shared their amazement on Twitter. First, Sotomayor misses the rationale for a mask mandate entirely, where she asks, Why is a human not like a machine when it is spewing blood-borne viruses. <clears throat> COVID-19 is a respiratory illness. If it were a blood-borne disease, no one would need to wear a mask, and there would be little need for a vaccine mandate in workplaces. That's rather basic to the question of whether OSHA's vaccine-slash-mask mandate serves a rational purpose for a legitimate state interest. That, however, was only the start of the nonsense. Here are more of Sotomayor's bon mots. Uh, she indicated that Omicron, the current uh, virus, the predominant or the predominant strain of the virus that we're dealing with at this point, is as deadly as Delta. To which Ed Morrissey replies, laughably false, of course, and is well documented in South Africa and now the UK as well. And here is probably the biggest whopper: Justice Sotomayor saying that hospitals are almost all full capacity and there are over 100,000 children hospitalized with COVID, many on ventilators. Um, that, that's flat-out fault. PolitiFact, the left-wing fact-checking website, gave 
that statement a false rating. Okay, which I guess we'll take because the, the, the most egregious rating they can give is pants on fire. Saying that there are over 100,000 children hospitalized with COVID, many on ventilators, is pants on fire. Not literally pants on fire. But, pan, yeah, that's, that's worse than just false. That's pants on fire. That's just plucked out of thin air. But we'll go with false. PolitiFact, at least, that is, that is demonstrably false. Uh, the current And by the way, Phil Kirpin, who's been on this broadcast before on uh, Twitter, he points out the current national pediatric COVID census for health and human services, 3,342. Many and most are incidental. I mean, we had a clip from Dr. Fauci just last week that kids coming into the pediatric unit are automatically tested for COVID regardless of what they're there for. So... You could deduce from that that many are there not because of COVID, but with COVID. Okay, they just, you know, they could be there for any number of reasons, but they're tested for COVID. Oh, my gosh, you got the uh, Omicron strain of, the, uh, of COVID. All right, even though they weren't there for COVID, even though they weren't exhibiting any symptoms, really. And Justice Sotomayor wants us to believe there's 100,000. See, this is what happens when you have activists leg- basically legislating from the bench. I mean, Justices Sotomayor and Kagan have never swayed from the liberal orthodoxy when handing down decisions. Uh, the late Justice Ginsburg occasionally did, and occasionally Stephen Breyer uh, did as well, but Sotomayor and Kagan very, very, very rarely, very rarely. And so when you already basically have in your mind that the vaccine should be mandated, you're going to take whatever stats, even if you have to make them up, in order to justify your decision. But when you're using false facts, flat-out false facts, I mean, how alarming is this? And, and, and now you understand why certain progressive Democrats were so hell-bent Unpacking the Supreme Court, expanding the Supreme Court. They want more justices who think like this so that whatever policy or mandate or executive order that's put through, that it'll be reaffirmed by the Supreme Court. Or if it's in the case of a Republican president handing down an executive order to ensure that it's shot down. I mean, this is this is scary. This is the last line of defense it's protect against what's constitutional. And they're not even talking about the merits of the mandate. Okay, just because you believe that a vaccine mandate would be a good thing, that has nothing to do with a legal ruling. I mean, does, does Joe Biden have the authority to issue a mandate like this? Yes or no? It has nothing to do whether it would benefit the country or not. That, that's not the point. So it's just absolutely insane. Again, I'll continue with uh, Ed Morrissey's piece. Uh, As it happens, uh, we do have CDC data that's relatively up-to-date. Currently, pediatric hospital admissions concurrent with a COVID-19 positive test, but not necessarily related to COVID, comes in at one every 100,000 in population. The seven-day daily average of under-18s in a hospital in hospitals nationwide, is 766 across the entire country. We haven't had 100,000 pediatric admissions even correlated to COVID in this country total since the CDC began tracking such data in August of 2020. There aren't 100,000 children currently in serious condition anywhere in any data. Even Anthony Fauci warned last week that the hospitalization spike in pediatric admission was relatively mild and almost entirely correlative or in simpler terms admissions with COVID-19 rather than admissions because of COVID-19. There is zero evidence thus far that Omicron presents any new enhanced risk to children over the earlier variants which almost entirely didn't impact preteens unless significant comorbidities were present. Sotomayor wasn't the only Supreme Court justice with a comprehension issue. 
Uh, Justice Breyer apparently confused admissions with capacity and assumed hospitals have run out of resources, but that's not the case. So, yeah, here's his quote. Hospitals are full almost to the point of maximum. And as far as pediatric hospitals, it's just a, it's flat out, flat out false. Uh, hospital capacity is getting more used, more use and admissions correlated to COVID-19 have skyrocketed. But that's not the same thing as overfilling hospitals. The admissions figures appear to have included a lot of correlated COVID diagnoses for hospitalizations that are treating unrelated conditions, just as it appears has happened with pediatric admissions. We would expect that to happen with a highly transmissible variant like Omicron, but that doesn't mean that these admissions are on top of what we would normally have. It could, and likely does, just mean that more people who have to get admitted to the hospital for other reasons have also been exposed to Omicron. Uh, Phil Kirpin's hospital census graph shows a slight uptick in use capacity, but it's nowhere near the dramatic claim by Stephen Breyer. And Justice Kagan, uh, Justice Elena Kagan, had trouble doing basic research. Here's her quote. We know the best way to prevent spread is for people to get vaccinated. And there is literally zero evidence that these vaccines prevent Omicron infections. Uh, In fact, what we said... Uh, what what has been indicated is that this is highly contagious. And even though you are boosted, you still have a good chance of getting Omicron, but the symptoms will be relatively mild if you're boosted. Now, if you don't, if you aren't vaccinated at all and you get Omicron, your symptoms might be a little bit more severe, but thankfully not as bad as Delta and not as deadly as Delta, which was another piece of information, misinformation that was put forth. Is Senator Osmick on the phone? Line one? Okay. Uh, Senator Dave Osmick uh, joins us on line one. Uh, Senator, always good to hear from you, sir. How are you? Hey, good to see you. A couple points here. First, uh, Omicron is not as bad as the other variants. I know I got it before Christmas. Oh, okay. And guess what? I, I had both vaccinations in August. So every time Joe Biden talks out of one side of his mouth and then the other about how if you get vaccinated, you're not going to get this, guess what? You're going to get this. It's not going to stop anything. But that's not why I call. Sotomayor and Kagan are frickin' frack of stupidity as far as I'm concerned, and they will do whatever they're told. They are not supposed to be on the bench to determine whether it's good policy. They're supposed to be there to determine is it constitutional right. that the executive branch can do these things. Right. So but my last point, because I know you have a guest, if you didn't see Fox News Sunday, you need to go and see the performance of CDC director Rochelle Walensky. She literally sounded like a Saturday night live skit because she was asked by Brett Baer, would you, how many kids are on ventilators? And her response was, well, we all know they have to be vaccinated. And then he asked, well, how many kids are actually getting Omicron? And her answer was, well, we all know kids need to be vaccinated. It was almost like that Martin Short character. Remember that Martin Short character that was the lawyer that would never say anything straight and would turn everything back? Right, yep. That's what it was. But you got to see this performance. She needs to be gone. And Fauci is a disgrace, too. These people are no, no longer working in the best interests of Americans. They're now in, working in the best interests of defending Joe Biden's lies. Thanks, Senator Osmick. Uh, we, we knew we'd uh, get something unfiltered from Senator Osmick when uh, he called in about this very issue. So we appreciate it. And, Senator, glad you're, uh, you're feeling well and uh, hopefully have recovered fully from uh, uh, your battle with uh, Omicron. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson and the Closer coming back with a, another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Salmon fishing in Alaska, at an amusement park in Green Bay, or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app.
Dr. Gorka here, and you know me. I am very cynical about products, especially those that claim to help people suffering from pain. So when I tell you that Relief Factor truly works, I want you to know that I mean it. I suffered from a stiff lower back for almost a decade, one so painful it made it difficult to kneel in church on Sundays. When I finally decided to give Relief Factor a try, I didn't ever imagine that I would find myself free of the pain. But that's what happened. Happened. Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. Did you know that Big Lou can vaccinate your entire estate from the virus known as Uncle Sam? That's right. Big Lou and Term Provider have the only single-dose solution in town, a $1 million term life insurance policy. Yep, a $1 million term life insurance policy with no side effects. One call to Big Lou can lead to an entire estate vaccination that will provide 100% guaranteed protection against estate taxes and debt, even if you are a bit porky or have a splash of sugar diabetes. In fact, a 50-year-old male may qualify for half a million dollars of coverage for less than 100 bucks per month, a million for less than 200 per month. Call Big Lou at Term Provider to get the service and price you deserve with zero side effects. Call 800-555-2085 right now. 800-555-2085. 2085. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He follows the science, too. Call 800-555-2085 or visit BigLou.com. Big Lou doesn't give tax advice. Dad, guess what? What? You are going to be a grandfather. That's great. Not too long ago, moments like this with my daughter would have been a challenge. It was a long road for me to find myself again after Vietnam. It was my neighbor Jim, another Vietnam veteran, who finally convinced me that I could still connect with my family and find that fulfilling life I'd lost. And I went for help down at the VA. If I can take that first step after almost 50 years, I know other veterans can too. Visit maketheconnection.net to find out more. Searching for ways to strengthen your daily walk? Visit crosswalk.com. From devotionals to Christian living topics, movie reviews to marriage and financial articles, and so much more, the intersection of faith and life, crosswalk.com. The division of Salem Media Group. Welcome back. AM1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. 651-289-4488. That's the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. Thanks as always for tuning in. And by the way, we are up and running at Facebook.com. Do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network at Facebook and uh, find the live stream uh, of the broadcast as well. want to take a little transition now and talk to our guest, uh, Mark Milkey, he is a public policy analyst, author, and columnist with six books and dozens of studies published internationally in the last two decades. I uh, wanted to have Mr. Milkey on to talk about his latest book entitled The Victim Cult, How the Culture of Blame Hurts Everyone and Wrecks uh, Civilization. Uh, Mark Milkey, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network, sir. Good to have you on today. How are you? Thank you for having me on, Brad. I'm sorry about the delay. I'm, I'm kind of like a magnet with technology. If there's a flaw in technology and phones or computers, uh, it, it'll it'll go to me somehow. So a uh, little delayed during the phone call. No, I, I'm, thanks I'm, for I'm, having me on. That's yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we we're able to finally get to get a hold of you. No worries. We can uh, shift things around here. We know we know in uh, to our radio show have to have that flexibility. No doubt about it. So we appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, obviously, we want to talk about the book, so we'll get into it right away. Uh, this is something that I know that uh, a lot of us have have railed upon, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, the state of race relations in, in today's culture, uh, particularly uh, when it comes to the debate uh, over reparations. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a debate over something like reparations and what the, bl- the blot on this country's history was about. That That's all fair game. But it seems like that that is, debate is still raging on until it gets resolved. Uh, in your mind, Mark Milkey, I know you addressed this a little bit in the book. Uh, is that a good idea going forward? And, and would that kind of eradicate sort of the victim status that the, some people are feeling these days? 
I don't think it would. In the victim cult, I do go into the reparations issue. I mean, if you look back at, at American history, I mean, there were people who gave reparations to slaves. I mean, Quakers did this once they released slaves in the late 1700s because they said, this is awful, this is evil, it's unchristian, right. and they provided reparations. Uh, you see examples of, of banks who will provide reparations when they discriminated. But what I try and point out in the victim cult is that this is an art. It's not a science. Um, and, and the further you get away from the, the egregious behavior or the wrong or the evil, I think there's less justification for it, especially you know, over a century and a half later. So let me give you another example. It made perfect sense in 1950 or the 1950s to give uh, compensation to Japanese Americans whose property was stolen during the war and for the internment they unjustly uh, you know, suffered from. But that's one thing, five or ten years later, or even you know, 20 years later to that generation. It's quite different to say, look, my condition today as a result of something that happened, a great evil that happened 170 years ago, 180 years ago, or longer, depending on the country you're talking about. So I think it's the weaker as time goes on. Um, but I, I think in the moment, uh, and, and for years or decades afterwards, sure, there's a strong case you can make. But, but in 2022, no, I don't think you can, you can make that case. What, uh, is there kind of a, uh, a general consensus, maybe a general psychological study that's cited uh, that maybe explains or gives some further insight to kind of this victim mentality. I, I, I bring this up, and I, I don't know if you address this specifically in your book, but I, you know, I think of something like, uh, you know, an example would be uh, actor Jesse Smollett. He was the one who faked his own hate crime in the in the Chicago area, and he wasn't really that well known other outside other outside of a certain niche audience. But then once this details of this alleged hate crime came forward, all of a sudden he's a household name. He's getting all this adulation, this, these accolades for being strong, standing strong, being willing to tell a story until about within a week or so it all fell apart. So I guess I, I frame it this way to say, is there something that motivates people to constantly wallow in this victim mentality? Is there some sort of general psychological study that addresses this, Mark Milkey? Well, there may be, but I would actually take a page out of Genesis. I mean, remember the Adam and Eve story. I mean, the first family of Genesis. Mm -hmm. uh, God says to Adam and Eve, don't take the fruit from the tree. What do they do? They take the fruit from the tree mm -hmm. after the snake tempts Eve and Eve tempts Adam. And then what happens when God shows up and said, uh, there's fruit missing? Well, Adam uh, blames Eve. Eve blames the snake. And, of course, the other famous victim story in Genesis is Cain and Abel. I mean, right. most of your listeners are probably familiar with it, but let's go over it briefly. Uh, Cain and Abel give sacrifices to God. Abel gives um, uh, meat, and, and Cain gives vegetables. I guess he's a farmer tending a field. Uh, God rejects Cain's sacrifice and says, look, if you do the right thing, don't get angry. If you do the right thing, your sacrifice will be accepted. But Cain, rather than either arguing with God, as some Old Testament figures, other Old Testament figures do, instead just gets mad. And he blames Abel, uh, you know, because Abel is now, I guess, in God's favor. And uh, turns around and, as again, most of the listeners know, murders Abel. Right. And this is kind of, a, I, I think that story points to this constant in human history, in, in the human soul, that it's easier in the moment uh, when you're frustrated, and sometimes people are victims, but it's, but even when you're not, maybe especially when you're not, rather than deal with your own stuff or your own behavior, it's easier to blame someone else. So I think this is a constant, just a behavioral thing we see in human nature. I mean, in the victim cult, they go into some other history. I mean, if you look at early Christianity, for example, you'll see that the Romans blame Christians when, you know, the crops didn't grow that particular year or when there was a when there was a flood, you know, the opposite. So uh, there's just this blame game that goes on in human nature, and you see it uh, in all cultures and all peoples. But the, the interesting thing about the American experiment is that uh, Americans, uh, in my view, are not normally this. I mean, this is not what America was about. America was founded on, we're going to fight back, we're going to make things right, but we're not going to take it. Once again, we are joined by Mark Milkey. He, the author of the book, uh, The Victim Cult, How the Culture of Blame Hurts Everyone and Wrecks Civilizations. Got a lot of very fascinating examples, uses uh, uh, different times in our uh, world history uh, to, to definitely make this case. And a fascinating read. And by the way, folks, uh, feel free to check out his website as well, markmilkey.com. That's M-I-L-K-E, markmilkey.com. Uh, Mr. Milkey, we do uh, need to take a break. Uh, we're coming up on one of uh, those uh, horrible hard breaks. Is there any chance you can hold during the break and come back for another segment with us? Absolutely. And VictimCult.com is another way to find the book as well. VictimCult.com. We, yeah, absolutely. We'll give all of the uh, proper uh, credentials and 
uh, websites, whatever, where uh, folks could definitely uh, check this out. Again, we are joined by Mark Milkey talking about his book, uh, The Victim Cult, How the Culture of Blame Herps Everyone and Wrecks Civilizations. I know it's a little early, Jacob, but we'll take a break. We'll uh, uh, cut it off right here. And uh, we'll be here to take your phone calls as well, folks, 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at uh, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comma, uh, comments or questions. And also, we do have our live stream up and going at Facebook. Go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. You see the live stream there. But we also have a comment thread there, comment section. You can leave any comments or questions there as well. And uh, we'll get to all of them when we come back in mere moments right here on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. I used to think that I could not go on And life was nothing but an awful song Hi, I'm Ben Hageman. I own American Pressure with my brother. Being family-owned and operated has allowed us to be very nimble and plan for demand and growth. Yes, we have machines and accessories on the shelf, with more arriving every day. We focus on delivering value by offering a full range of pressure washers and steam cleaners, and we are looking forward to taking care of our customers for years to come. Give us a call at 763-521-4442. American Hi, this is Al Malmberg inviting you to join us on the World of Aviation each Sunday morning at 10.05, right here on 1280 The Patriot, as we talk with those who have had incredible life stories in aviation, like Jessica Cox, who was born without arms, but went on to become a pilot and black belt in taekwondo, and Gordy Lewis, who began flying when most people are retiring. Gordy started flying at the age of 67. That's every Sunday at 10.05 a.m., right here on 1280 The Patriot. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-860-4610. 800-860-4610. That's 800-860-4614. Did you know you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? Yep. I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No No wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, Please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Hey, welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks so much for tuning in. And here to take your call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. Hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And we do have the uh, live stream up and running at Facebook.com. Do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network at Facebook and follow along in the live stream. Feel free to leave a comment or question there as well. Again, we are joined by our guest via telephone, Mark Milkey. He, the author of The Victim Cult, How the Culture of Blame Hurts Everyone and Wrecks Civilization. Before we get back to our discussion with Mark, we do have a caller I'd like to weigh in on this segment, Rob from Falcon Heights. Rob, thank you for the phone call. You are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network with Mark Milkey. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking my call. 
I just, you know, I've actually studied that verse uh, where, you know, Eve and Adam had taken the fruit. And there's there's actually one more blame that went on there. And, uh, okay. you know, Adam Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. Right. Adam also blamed God for providing Eve. Okay. Right, right. You know, he, he said, this woman, God, that you provided mm-hmm. tempted me, and, and then I ate. Okay. So I, there's another layer to that story where, you know, here's Adam blaming the very God who created him, which seems extraordinary. Yeah, thanks for the call, Rob. We appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Milky, I don't know if you have any uh, further, uh, uh, want to further expound on that? Well, Rob is right. Uh, it's just another indication in the story of this kind of chronic, deep-seated blame game that goes on in, on in human nature. Now, look, sometimes people are actually victims. Uh, I mean, one of the interesting things about about us as human beings is, you know, uh, since the beginning of, of time, there have been, what, uh, in the book, I know there's about 110 billion human beings born and died, and about 7.5 billion of us alive today. We're going to bump into each other, even if accidentally, and then, of course, you add to that uh, people actually intend to cause harm, and you add accidents and the rest of it in life. There are plenty of real victims out there, but the interesting thing thing about those who progress in life and prosper are those who don't dismiss the past or whitewash it, but they move on. Uh, they, they do figure out how to succeed and flourish in life uh, by, by, in part, learning from the past. I mean, one of the examples I give in the victim cult uh, of unbelievable notions of victimhood are Yale College students in 2015, where the issue of Halloween comes up, and one yes. of the professors writes to them all in response to a university declaration that you, know, you should be sensitive about the costumes you wear this Halloween. Right. This professor professor writes back and basically says, look, I think you're all adults. We trust you. Uh, this actually ignites a firestorm because of this That's notion right. of cultural appropriation that, uh-huh. and that you're a victim if others wear your particular nationality's costume, or, you know, ethnic costume. Um, now, what happens there is, uh, I mean, there, there are young women and others on campus who are confronting the professor, confronting the professor's husband, and literally sobbing that they're victims um, that they don't feel safe on campus because of cultural appropriation, a possible cultural appropriation. I mean, think about this. I mean, Yale college students who will go on to earn six-figure incomes and be the most privileged uh, in American society after they graduate, and they feel like they're victims. I mean, there's just a lack of context sometimes uh, these days. Uh, and rather than accomplish something, I'd be noted for that, it's easier, I guess, to simply think of oneself as a victim, portray oneself as a victim, and there's instant sympathy, instant recognition. But this is very un-American. I have a feeling, that, and again, I don't know if you address this aspect of it specifically in your book, but say the American political system. I mean, we the very premise of which candidates run and the platforms they run on is identifying the problems that their potential constituents are enduring and what they're going through going through and hence if you elect me vote for me i i will fix those problems and and they work on the premise that hey you have an issue and here's how i'm going to fix it and it almost sets up a mindset that hey the plight that you're enduring right now well that's due to policies that were put in place by someone i'm trying to succeed now again I, as americans we we should be smart enough not to take the bait not to not to wallow in it but it almost seems like that kind of system, our system of government electoral politics, almost kind of feeds into that victim status, uh, Mark Milkey. Well, it does, and especially on the ground, and you have activists who also want to make this argument that my condition today or our condition today as a group is a result of, of you know, so, something that someone did to me yesterday or 20 years ago or 200 years ago. So, I mean, there's pushback in this. I mean, you're probably familiar with Thomas Sowell. Many of your listeners mm-hmm. are probably familiar with yep. Thomas Sowell, the famed American economist, black American economist. He's 91 now, but he spent, what, 50 or 60 years fighting this nonsense because you see an average difference in incomes between black Americans and other Americans, that must be due to racism. Uh, What I point out in the victim cult, using the most recent statistics, is about 23% of black Americans have a college degree. That's compared to one-third of white Americans and almost 80% of Americans of Taiwanese ancestry. So guess who's at the top of the income heap? Well, it's Taiwanese Americans or um, East Indian Americans who also you know, have a proportion of uh, graduating from college much higher than the average population. So you have to look at these other statistics. But, of course, politics sometimes can be very simplified. Right. And 
uh, if politicians can promise to, to solve every problem, every, every outcome, and they do. And that's the danger. It's especially dangerous these days, I think, Brad, because in the 20th century, you had this competition between ideology of socialism and, and free enterprise, right? Socialism and capitalism. Well, that's to, to some degree disappeared. I mean, it's coming back a little bit, but it's not like the 20th century yet. But in its place, we've had this, uh, this rise of identity politics and people, instead of, you know, maybe taking side with the right side of the spectrum and free markets 30 years ago at the collapse of the Berlin Wall and before. Uh, now people take refuge in identities. This is really dangerous. And again, I think it's very un-American. I mean, your country, I'm up in Canada, but your country was founded on this notion of equality of opportunity, not equality of result. And it was founded on this notion, however delivered imperfectly after 1776 until the end of slavery, it was founded on this notion of equality of the individual. And uh, by and large, I think America has succeeded in going exactly there, especially after Martin Luther King, especially after the reforms of the 1960s. But you have people today that are regressing back into this identity politics, into uh, saying, uh, I'm a victim of, of something because of my skin color, or you're privileged because you're skin color. That's actually very dangerous because, I mean, look at your skin. You can't change the color, obviously. You can't change where you were born. You can't change your ethnicity or nationality if you came from somewhere else recently. So it's a real dangerous game to play for politicians and activists who want to get into identity politics. It's really quite old-fashioned European tribalism. Do you have some, uh, I guess, examples of maybe uh, individuals or, or maybe a, a collective? I mean, you you would indicate you. I mean, you made an allusion earlier to the success that Asian Americans have had, uh, but do you have a, an example of folks that? just choose not to wallow in this victim status and then the just the simple steps that they take to kind of buck that narrative. And the reason I ask, you know, again, you also allude to Thomas Sowell. I mean, you have some individuals that you've uh, that you've mentioned, like Walter Williams and, and Thomas Sowell and Shelby Steele, you know, black Americans who don't choose to identify uh, as victims. I mean, they're very, very proud of their race and their ethnic background and how they grew up but they choose to kind of just think on their own and not maybe subscribe to any kind of collective narrative. So I guess uh, my question to Mark Milkey, do you have an example, a good example of how people just decide to buck whatever victim narratives may be out there and, and the steps they, they use to, to kind of overcome it? Absolutely. One of the things I do at the end of the victim cult is to look at East Asian Americans. Uh, and what I, I look between 1850 and 1950. Now, they were heavily discriminated against by many, but not all Americans. In fact, uh, of interest to your, re, to your listeners, I mean, it, it was actually many Republican senators in the late 1800s that opposed discrimination against Asian Americans, for example, right, the party of Lincoln. But Asian Americans early on did face discrimination um, after the, the gold rush when, when many Chinese, for example, came to California, the Japanese who started to arrive in the 1870s. They did face some discrimination in labor laws, um, by labor unions, by politicians, by governments. But they refused to accept victimization. In some cases, they fought back in the courts. As an example of a fellow in San Francisco, actually born in the United States, leaves to go visit his grandparents in China, comes back, is, is banned from reentry, even though he's an American citizen, fights us all the way to the Supreme Court. And Wong Kim Ark wins in 1898, where the Supreme Court says, look, yes, you're an American citizen. Of course, you can come back to the country. So he wins. He fights back. Um, but what I found in general with East Asian Americans between 1850 and 1950, it's that they ignored the discrimination. So there is this consistent defiance. They go to court. They try and enter politics or labor unions and, and win sometimes, lose in others. Uh, there was another factor, though. They, they refused, like today's identity cult isolationists, to um, really sort of separate themselves. They said, look, let us in. We want to integrate into mainstream American society. Mm. They didn't want to isolate. That would have given in to the racists. Mm. So that was really factor number two in the rise of Asian Americans and their success. And then two other things mattered a lot. They were very entrepreneurial. If you look at the earliest Chinese immigrants to California, they came from an entrepreneurial region of China, and they brought that to California and the rest of the United States. And then lastly, Asian Americans, I mean, really in the most discriminatory period in the 1920s, what I found in research for the victim cult was these wonderful statistics that show 1910, kids of Chinese Americans, Japanese Americans, are graduating at rates slightly less, uh, graduating from high school and college at rates slightly less than white Americans. But by 1920 and 1930, the kids of Japanese and Chinese Americans are graduating from high school and from college at rates much higher than white Americans. And there's a cultural sort of 
emphasis there and belief that we're going to succeed despite what's happening around us, despite the, I mean, Asian Americans or Asian immigration was pretty much stopped dead in 1924. And yet you see in the United States, those Asian Americans, those of Asian ancestry saying we're going to continue to push back, but we're going to continue to educate our kids. And that literally sets the stage for their future success, their future flourishing. And I've got two chapters of what I call the rise of the Pacific class, because it's a, it's a fascinating um, story of the rise of Asian Americans and their contribution to actually bringing America to where it always wanted to be, to treat everyone equally as individuals. So th- there are some tremendously positive stories about uh, rejecting victimization in, in favor of flourishing. Love it. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with this. Uh, our uh, colleague here at AM 1280, the Patriot, Mitch Berg, who's on the Saturday show, uh, 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time, uh, he poses a question via Twitter asking if you believe there's a generational aspect to membership in the victim cult, specifically uh, millennials uh, wear it like a badge and also intergenerational like Gen Xers, millennials and Zs seem to blame boomers for every travail that uh, befalls them. Uh, do you find any merit in that, uh, Mark Milkey? Well, there's probably something there, but boomers, of course, in the 1960s blamed, what, the World War II generation. I think there's a lack of historical depth these days, and maybe uh, maybe that, you know, the rise of social media adds to this instant, uh, you know, notion of, of whatever. I mean, you can look at some of that. I mean, let's, let's think back to what it would take decades ago to really ramp up an issue forever. I mean, Watergate. I mean, you'd have to have it on the evening news every night, as it was in the early 1970s. But now, an issue can be taken from 50 years ago, and someone can tell a story and it feels immediate because social media can pound on it forever. Right. And so I think technology has added to this notion of, of victimhood because all of a sudden you can, you can look back 50 years or 100 years and you can empathize with someone and someone can tell their story on social media. Uh, but that doesn't mean that's the result or that leads to your that, – sorry, that that's responsible for your condition today because there's been tremendous advances in American society on race and everything else. So I think there is a lack of context, lack of understanding of history. And uh, yeah, a World War II generation, they knew what it was like to have a tough life. If you're in America today, uh, again, there are real victims out there, but you're, you're in a much better situation. I mean, we, we live in one of the most privileged um, yeah, economies, one of the most privileged times of, in human history. And I don't think people recognize that. So it may be a generational thing because they don't know their history. Once again, we're joined by Mark Milkey. He is here to tout his latest book, The Victim Cult, How the Culture of Blame Hurts Everyone and Rex civilization. Uh, Mr. Milky, if you if you would, real quick, uh, maybe just uh, share with the folks the best uh, way to uh, purchase this fine book if they'd like to uh, learn more, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure, victimcult.com has all the all the uh, the links there, but Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookstores across America, you can find The Victim Cult uh, there and online. Yeah, very fascinating discussion, Mr. Milky. Thank you so much uh, for your time today. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and uh, have a great rest of your day. We appreciate the time. Anytime. Thank you, Brad. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network, back with one final segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. We are proud. AM 1280, The Patriot. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the sculpture garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon, we're where you are. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. Warning. 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 Once you taste the Rack Shack's Patriot Burger, other burgers will never measure up. Hey, I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and we've partnered with my friend Keith Hitner Sr. from the Rack Shack Barbecue 
to create a burger worthy of the Patriot name. It's a half-pound burger that's red, white, and blue through and through. American cheese on top, and the American flag proudly waves over the bun. The Patriot Burger comes with your choice of any of our delectable sides, like our famous hand-cut fries, all just for $12.80. Best burger in town as far as I'm concerned, and it's $12.80 anytime, any day. Try today at the Rack Shack Barbecue at the Cedar Cliff Center at Nichols and Cliff in Egan. Be careful. Once you try a Patriot Burger, you may never go back to a regular burger. That's the Rack Shack Barbecue at RackShackBarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack Barbecue, oh, 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 yeah. I appeal to you to fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. If the troops have no supplies, the troops are worthless. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help this station. And that is just patronize their sponsors. Help us continue to keep the Twin Cities right by supporting the local businesses you hear on this station. GodTube.com. Inspiration, comedy, music, faith, and fun. Get the best of GodTube every morning and start your day with a smile. Great faith-based videos sent to your inbox daily when you subscribe at GodTube.com, a division of Salem Media Group. Hey, welcome back. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. This is me, Brad Carlson. Thanks so much for tuning in. One final segment on the broadcast, and we may have a time for a call or two. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. You get us away in via Twitter hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N A R N Show. As I am all, as always, I am closing out this weekend's edition of Northern Alliance Radio Network programming. You can hear from my friend and colleague King Banyan on our sister station AM fourteen forty, The Businessman. It's the King Banyan Show Saturdays from nine to eleven a.m. Also on Saturdays on these very airwaves, AM twelve eighty, The Patriot. My friend and colleague Mitch Berg. He's the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance. Heard Saturdays one to three p.m. Followed immediately by, excuse me, Jack Tomzak. Kind of the new kid in town, even though he's been with us about, what, six, seven months now? Uh, Jack's show, uh, the Jack Tomzak show, 3 to 5 p.m. Saturdays. And me, Brad Carlson, closing out weekends, Sundays, 1 to 3 p.m. As uh, we're coming up on our 18th anniversary of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. I've been along for the ride for about yeah, 11 and a half of them. So, uh, or 10 and a half. Yeah, 10 and a half of them. Whatever. Uh, I can now officially say that I have been part of the Northern, Northern Alliance Radio Network for the majority of its existence because 18 years I've been here for more than half of it. So there you go, for whatever that's worth. But always uh, great to be here and uh, ride the coattails of uh, everything that uh, Mitch Berg, Ed Morrissey, uh, the guys from Powerline, uh, King Banyan, guys from Fratters Libertas, all of the ones that came before me, Michael Broadcorp, be remiss if I didn't mention Michael, uh, what they the groundwork that they've laid here for me to come in and uh, just uh, have a show. I uh, really appreciate it. Never a Sunday goes by where I don't take for granted the opportunity to be on the air. Uh, wow, it, things really uh, <laughs> changed around in that Vikings game. They looked absolutely dormant in the first half of the Bear, against the Bears, trailing fourteen to three. They were now up thirty-one to seventeen in a game that means absolutely nothing. So the Vikings have been one of the best teams in the NFL over the past few years in games that have absolutely no implications whatsoever. So, uh, but I like to say there's been a report that Mike Zimmer, Vikings head coach, will be fired uh, after this game because it'll be the second consecutive season that the Vikings do not make the playoffs. Uh, you know, what, I guess we can discuss this in the forthcoming weeks, you know, as far as the Vikings coaching search, because I imagine it's going to begin in earnest. But they have some legit playmakers on offense that, they're going to be that's going to be enticing for any coach and I'm hoping they look at an offensive minded coach I mean the, some of the coaches have been looking at like offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy with the Kansas City Chiefs who have only made the Super Bowl the previous two years uh Kellen Moore with the Dallas Cowboys he's an offensive coordinator there uh offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich with the Tampa Bay Bucks although I have a feeling Leftwich is going to wind up in Jacksonville where he made his hay as a player so uh, I think left, which is kind of a long shot. But I, I think that's the direction they're going to go. Because typically when you fire a coach, you have a tendency to go the exact opposite of what you had. 
And Mike Zimmer was this real hard-nosed, rip-your-head-off-spit-down-your-neck type of coach, you know, defensive-minded coach. And now the Vikings are going to go in the opposite direction and go with maybe more offensive coach, someone um, maybe more of a mild-mannered guy, who's to say. Uh, Eric Bieniemy does have a history here, by the way. Uh, he was the running ba- running backs coach with the Vikings during first few years of Adrian Peterson's tenure, if I remember correctly. So it's not like he doesn't have a history here in Minnesota. Rick Spielman, who, from what I understand, will remain uh, as the Vikings general manager. Uh, you know, he's got some familiarity with with um, Bieniemy. So who's to say if he gets an interview? I just wa- I'm not sold necessarily sold on him. I just want the Vikings to talk to him. You know, because again. Their defense is going to take a severe hit. Their defense was, has not been very good the past two years, and they're in salary cap hell. So they're going to have to make some significant cutbacks. And I'm having I'm have a feeling that veterans like Harrison Smith and and Daniel Hunter and Anthony Barr are, are probably going to be gone after this year, just to try to make save some cap space. But you've got a legitimate offensive line now, or it's starting to come together. I mean, I think Christian Darrisaw at left tackle, Brian O'Neill at right tackle. You finally have a line where the bookends are solid. I mean, Darisaw's had a very good rookie year. Brian O'Neill has been solid since they first brought him in, and he signed to a contract extension. And the interior of the line, Ezra Cleveland at left guard, pretty solid. Garrett Bradbury uh, has improved with the presence uh, of the uh, of the bookends. But who knows if he's going to hang around. He has not been the best center that they've ever had. I'm wondering what's happening with Wyatt Davis. He was drafted as a right guard out of Ohio State. Why hasn't he got more of a look? You know, So these are a lot of questions that are going to come up. But like I say, any offensive-minded coach is going to look at this roster and is going to want to sit down with the Vikings brass and talk about this job because you've got some legit playmakers on offense. I mean, the skill positions like Dalvin Cook at running back and then the receivers, uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne has looked good at times. And let's not forget Irv Smith, tight end. He's been out the entire season. Solid playmaking tight end. He's going to be back next year. So I'm just saying that the Vikings, uh, just because they clean house on the defensive side of the ball and the coaching staff, doesn't mean that they're going to be stuck going 3-13 and or 2-14 and the next couple of years, okay? They still can be a pretty solid team offensively. So... Um, Zimmer has not been officially fired, but I'm just going off news reports that he likely will be. So this is something that we can certainly discuss in the weeks going forward once they do conduct a coaching search and uh, interview some guys. So we'll uh, definitely look forward to that. Folks, I've enjoyed it. AM1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Thank you, for, as always, for tuning in. Stay warm. Skull Vikings. Godspeed, my friends. Have a blessed week. It's said that if you don't like the weather, just wait a few minutes and it'll change. Well, the weather isn't the only thing changing. According to our latest research, local business owners today are saying it's getting harder to sustain their business than it was just a few months ago. They also told us that targeting the right audience with their advertising messages is more important than ever. At Salem Surround, our team of local in-market experts take that seriously. We utilize the latest research and marketing technology to deliver media plans that will exceed your expectations. Let Salem Surround show you how we can solve for your marketing challenges by bringing nationwide resources while delivering Main Street solutions. Salem Surround is here to help you through the constant changes. We promise we'll help your business stay ahead of the changing weather. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 
800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. Warning, warning, warning. Once you taste the Rack Shack's Patriot Burger, other burgers will never measure up. Hey, I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and we've partnered with my friend Keith Hitner Sr. from the Rack Shack Barbecue to create a burger worthy of the Patriot name. It's a half-pound burger that's red, white, and blue through and through. American cheese on top, and the American flag proudly waves over the bun. The Patriot Burger comes with your choice of any of our delectable sides, like our famous hand-cut fries, all just for $12.80. Best burger in town as far as I'm concerned, and it's $12.80 anytime, any day. Try today at the Rack Shack Barbecue at the Cedar Cliff Center at Nichols and Cliff in Egan. Be careful. Once you try a Patriot Burger, you may never go back to a regular burger. That's the Rack Shack Barbecue at RackShackBarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack. Rack Shack Barbecue. Ooh, 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 yeah. AM 1280, The Patriot is... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.